We started our series of 12 sermons on the subject of naturally supernatural with this scripture, and I thought it would be fitting to end with it as well. The Apostle Peter has been told by the Lord to share the gospel with the non-Jews, and this is part of what he says, Acts 10, 36 to 38. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. As regards what Jesus did, Peter points to the fact that God was with him. So today I want to look at God with us. God with us. Let's uh, just pause for a moment to consider that phrase. Because we're not talking about an idol that has to be carried through the streets. And I've seen many of those. We're not talking about some superhero who can fly or exhibit superpowers. A comic book hero on the big screen. We're not talking even about a great orator, a great communicator who can sway a nation. We're not talking about a, a guru who spouts an appealing philosophy. We're not talking about a God among many gods. We're talking about God, not simply even a messenger from God, but God himself, God with us. Let's consider that for a moment. God the creator and sustainer of life, not some random Big Bang, but the supreme intelligence who designed each atom, each portion of DNA, every cloud, every rainbow, every snowflake, who made mountains and rivers and waterfalls and lakes and seas and rain to soften the ground for planting, who made lions and tigers and rhinos, dolphins, sharks, jellyfish, giant sequoia trees that can live for thousands of years, honeybees and eagles, crocodiles and koala bears. I could go on. Or look into the mystery of space and see moons and comets, galaxies and black holes, free-floating planets, quasars and dark matter. And that jewel in the darkness as seen by lunar astronauts, our beautiful and fragile planet Earth. Isaiah puts it really well in chapter 40, verse 28, where he says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the Earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. God with us, the creator. That would be amazing in itself. But there's more. God, our savior, Christ, our champion, who goes into battle against all the powers of darkness. Born in a stable, laid in a manger, grows up in obscurity, washes feet, rides a donkey, speaks words that will never fade, heals the sick, raises the dead, releases the oppressed from the dark prisons of doom, hugs the children, comforts the widows, walks on the water, calms the storm, feeds the multitudes, rebukes the religious hypocrites, remains silent before his accusers, suffers on the cross, forgives. He is perfect in all he does. Death cannot hold him. The lion and the lamb. God with us. An amazing thing to have Almighty God rooting for you, supporting you, for you, not against you. 
It's remarkable. It's amazing. It's astounding. Now, we know that to have friends for you is good. To have family for you is good. To have the nation for you is good. But to have God for you surely outstrips them all. We know that he is faithful and has promised never to leave or forsake us. But we want to know that, not just in an abstract, I can tick that box sense, but in a real way. Now here's part of Moses' conversation with God when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness from Exodus 33, 14 to 16. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Well, dear friends, we want to be people who experience the tangible presence of God, don't we? I remember the first time I experienced the tangible presence of God. I wasn't a Christian at the time. Uh, I was becoming one. A good friend was telling me who Jesus was, and I had an overwhelming sense of the presence of God, and I clearly felt his love. How can I describe it? I've been thinking about this a lot. It was, it was like a beautiful and intoxicating fragrance filled the room, or like being soaked in a warm, fragrant bath from where all of life looked different. I had an overwhelming sense of God's love, an overwhelming sense of peace that I'd never experienced before. At the same time, I had a strong sense of conviction that I was going the wrong way in my life and that I needed to change direction, do a complete 180. So I did. Now, I've had many experiences of the presence of God since then. I'll tell you just a couple. Another was in meetings when the tangible presence of God came and there was a stillness where you even felt that breathing might disturb it and no one spoke. It was like being enveloped in the most wonderful peace imaginable, safe, secure. I've also had many experiences of being filled with joy. I've wanted to dance and have, not quite Fred Astaire or Strictly, but joyful nevertheless. I've been overcome with so much joy that I've slid off my chair onto the floor. I've laughed so much that I've said to the Lord, stop, it's too much. I've been filled with joy and have been unable to express my gratitude to the Lord in any language I know. So I've spoken and sang in tongues, that unknown language given as a gift by the Spirit of God. I felt tingles going up and down my body as if standing in a flame that is not of this world. <laughs> and through all of these experiences, Jesus, I have to say, was the one who took the initiative. And I guess many of you have had similar experiences too. Often they will come for me as I, as I would describe out of the blue. <clears throat> I've had experiences of God's presence on my own and in church while praying or worshiping. As I was writing this, I asked myself, am I still hungry for God's tangible presence? I want to ask you a question, are you? I have to say, I've really missed meeting together as I often experience God's presence when we meet together. The blood shed by Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of sin enables us to experience the presence of God. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said that he would send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals, and is at the same time, the tangible presence of God. If that's true, 
then we need to respond to God as the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesian church. In chapter 5, verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> In other words, keep being filled. Because, like Moses, we want to be people of God's presence. <laughs> because that's what is going to enable us to be naturally supernatural. And, as it happens, supernaturally natural. How? Well, I'm going to give three pointers that will not necessarily be new to many of us, but it's helpful just to be reminded. And my three pointers are as follows. Prayer, worship, obedience. Now, this is not a definitive exposition of any of those, but just a few thoughts. Firstly, on prayer. Psalm 46 verse 10 tells us, Be still and know that I am God. So as I was thinking about this, I thought, how often do we take time to be still? How many times have I heard people saying, I am so busy. There are so many potential distractions. Now, I've got a rather nice mobile smartphone, and it's a very useful gadget. I can do my daily Bible readings on it. I can check the weather forecast, read the news, transfer money, pay bills, play games, interact on social media, make video calls all over the world, book holidays, do shopping, watch films and TV, use it as a calendar, a stopwatch, a timer, read and send emails, and so on and so on. Oh, and by the way, you can actually make phone calls too and receive them. But I find that I'm in danger personally of being distracted. I don't make New Year resolutions, but I did tell myself at the beginning of the year that I'd not be looking at my phone when someone was talking to me. If you ask my family, they'd probably tell you I'm a work in progress. This may not be an issue for you, but the question is, what distracts you? What things distract you so that you find you have little time to pray? Can I encourage you to set aside time this week to just being still before the Lord? Here's something you could say as you begin. Lord, here I am. I'm just going to be still before you at this time. If there's anything you want to say to me or do, then I want to be open to you. It's good also in prayer to remind ourselves of the good things the Lord has done and the many good gifts he has given us. At a recent Thursday morning Zoom prayer meeting, we were encouraged to speak out our thanks for what the Lord has done and for who he is. You know, it was a great thing to do. Gratitude, it's a great springboard in prayer. Sometimes though, I find that often my prayers feel robotic and that I'm praying the same things over and over again. Bless so-and-so, encourage them, fill them with your spirit, draw them to you, particularly for those on my bless list. One of the gifts of the spirit, as I said earlier, is the gift of speaking in tongues in a language you've never learned. I find that when I do, I go up a gear <laughs> when speaking in tongues. And after praying in tongues, I find often that when I pray in English, I think, well, where did that come from? It was powerful. It was glorious. So speaking in tongues is very helpful. It tunes you into the Lord. Maybe you haven't received that gift, then I would encourage you to ask the Lord and perhaps get someone to come alongside you and pray with you and seek him. Because Jesus said, seek and guess what? You will find. Not every time I pray do I experience the tangible presence of God, but often enough for me to want to pray. Now, as I said, I'm just touching a little bit on my experience of prayer. There are mountains of books written about it. Here's one that we can highly recommend. 
It's Pete Gregg's How to Pray, a simple guide for normal people is very helpful. We also keep being filled with the Holy Spirit who embodies God's presence through worship. So my second point is worship. The Apostle James encourages us to, in his book, chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, worship is a great place to draw near to God. I, I often experience the presence of God during times of worship, particularly when we gather together as a church. And I find that it doesn't seem to matter what I'm feeling or how my day has been, or even necessarily how expected I am or not. I tend to think, mm, I'm gonna praise the Lord regardless of how I feel because he is worthy and he's done great things. And then suddenly, out of the blue, I'm energized by the Spirit of God. And the reality of who he is hits me again. In fact, I would say that in my ordinariness, the Lord chooses to meet with me. Now, before the pandemic, we had evenings at the King's Centre called Encounter Evenings. We had them at Hazelmere too. Such a great time to worship the Lord together. Something special when we gather like that. I'm looking forward to doing those things again. One of the things I find helpful to experience a sense of God's tangible presence, personally, is through music. And we're very blessed in our society to have so many ways of listening to music, YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, CDs, and so on. I've got a very small device in my car that I can tell it to play certain music, and it does. I love it. A couple of songs that I found really helpful recently, both uh, live from Bethel Music. You might like to check them out, I don't know. They're on YouTube as well. You Make Me Brave, Bethel Music Live, and Goodness of God, Bethel Music Live. Both very encouraging songs. And they help me to focus on the Lord and raise my spirit to appreciate the Lord more. That works for me anyway. What works for you? How do you draw near to God in worship? However you do it, keep doing it all the more. Draw near. Now, I don't want you to think that I've got it all together. Far from it. I would describe myself as subject to bursts of enthusiasm. Now, as we start to rebuild here at King's, I'm sure there'll be increasing opportunities to come together and worship. Let's look out for them and get involved, because as we do, we will experience the tangible presence of God. It will help us to keep being filled with the Spirit and experience the reality that God is with us. So the third and final thing I want to say is, again, it's very simple, probably nothing new, but here we go, it's obedience. I'm going to read a couple of uh, scriptures now from John's Gospel, chapter 15. First of all, verse 4, where Jesus says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And further on in that same chapter in verses 9 and 10, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. There's this sense of being with God, not just on special occasions, but as part of our continuing friendship. For let's not forget, we were once enemies of God, but we're not enemies any longer if we know Jesus as Lord and Savior. The trouble is, I guess, that naturally we don't really like to do what we're told. You see that in children from a very young age, don't you? When children will say no when they're asked to do something or told to do something. 
It's in our human nature to rebel against commands. We don't want to be commanded. Who are you to tell me what to do? We want to make our own choices. We think we know better. However, because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we can have a new heart that is responsive to God. His laws get written on our hearts, a heart that realizes that God's ways are best. And we find, as the Apostle John says in his first book, chapter 5, verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I find that quite releasing. His commandments are not burdensome. As I was writing this, I felt the Lord say to me, don't seek to understand the hidden, but fail to do the obvious. It's obvious that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. The challenge is to do it. Fortunately, we have God with us to enable us. Okay, here we go. Let's take a moment now to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Let's ask him to open our eyes afresh, or perhaps for the first time, to the wonder and splendor of Jesus, who shed his blood, that we might know that God is with us. I'm just going to pray now. Father, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you sent your beloved son in order to open the way for us to have a friendship with you. You're amazing. Father, we ask that you will help us in our journey, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit, that we might walk with you in agreement with you all the days of our life. And I pray, Lord, for those who perhaps don't, haven't even begun that journey. I pray for them, Lord Jesus, that they would experience your presence and your love for them. And I ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to take one thing that you can do this coming week. Perhaps it's get rid of a distraction and be still before the Lord and listen for what he might say to you. Perhaps it's worship the Lord with some music, being grateful for what he has done for you. And lastly, in your obedience, seek to be a blessing to someone this coming week.